1: And welcome back to the Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. He's back. What up, what up, what up? Not just me this week. We are together again, reunited, and it feels, feels so, so good. good. Uh, how's, how you doing, Ben?
2: I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm glad to have gone to Gen Con. This is taking place after we had an awesome week at Gen Con. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'm sure uh, that, that we had a great, great launch of the Kickstarter. Thank you guys all so much for getting behind that. It was super, super
1: cool. Hopefully by the time this episode releases, we are at, we are funded. We are Right now we are only like $1,500, $1,400 away. We're away, less than yeah. 9% away from... Uh, hitting our, our original funding goal of 20 K, which is like big shout out to everyone on the podcast who, who participated. If you haven't yet, obviously make sure to check it out. If we haven't funded yet, please check it out. We're so close to getting over that line. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. If you could help, if you, uh, if we have crossed that line, we are getting to the next stretch goal. We're going to u- unlock that winner orb. All the Azorius players come on, you know, you want to be able to get that blue and white D 20 die. And that gets us closer and closer to the full set D, D uh, the D six, d4 d8 d10 d12 and d20 set that like is really what we're all reaching for you know and and there's going to be life spin down counters up there so really really appreciate anyone checking out that kickstarter Uh, you can see the die behind me but you can also see it here for what we're talking about it's a big bouncy die it's it's spiky and we appreciate anyone who's been able to help make this happen because uh absolutely the kickstarter is is dope it's so exciting that it's been doing so well
2: (laughs) It was, I and mean, we were super supported by the community, which was awesome. You know, like a lot of this episode is going to be kind of about community. Like we're going to be talking about the upcoming magic events and the handling of a lot of these events and how important the community is to that. And a lot of the reason that we were able to get this kickstarted to where it is, is because the community is so awesome and because... We have a lot of friends who are excited about the product and wanted to talk about it. And um, we're really grateful for that. So we'll talk a bit, a bit more about that. Gen Con was really fun. It's always such a great event, man. It's just like such a cool. It's not a magic event, but it feels like the most adjacent to a magic event that you get. It's like a well, really it's
1: the, special. It, 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 it's the original magic event. Magic launched at Gen Con in 1993, right? I
2: thought it was Dragon Con. Was it DragonCon? Mm. You sure?
1: Yep. Gen Con. That's why, that's why the anniversary that Mike Michael won into the beta draft was at Gen Con. That's why, uh, next year. So this whole magic 30 thing is actually kicking off a series of events that's going to end, I believe at Gen Con next year, there's going to be a oh, big thing that happens. Snap. So
2: I wonder if we'll get another beta draft next year at Gen Con,
1: including, including me having, you know, actual, as long as we donate, we finish this Kickstarter. We'll have additional of these to sell uh, as well as, uh, you know, some of the other games are coming out with by that point, which will be cool. Mega Man and Contra will be there to buy. Just, more plugs, uh, but um, this is brought by also uh, other things beyond just the Patreon that this uh, not beyond just the Kickstarter uh, that this is brought to. It is brought to you by our patrons. So we have a, a cool announcement to make about that in a second, um, or later in the episode, and then it, it is also uh, brought to you by Channel Fireball, the home of the podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, a, a feature of parts of tonight's conversation. Uh, and someone, and you can if you want to watch the podcast, you can watch it there. You can watch it anywhere that. Podcasts are shared as well as uh, on the YouTube channel. But uh, also, if you are shopping on Channel Fireball and you use the code the uh it benefits us. They let they let us know, and you get a little bit of a discount, I believe, as well. So it's definitely worth doing, and you get to buy sweet cards. I mean, why wouldn't you want to buy
2: sweet cards? I'm going to be buying some sweet cards upcoming here pretty soon, Alex, um, as we are both going to be attending Magic 30. And at Magic 30, I'm going to be playing in the Modern Magic championship in which the winners there are there are gonna be three uh, four of these events and the top 32 of those events altogether are gonna qualify for a hyper competitive top 32 in which the top eight ends up in a beta draft because I didn't get to do it a few years ago so I'm gonna be putting together a modern deck and guys this will be like that one time that I lost a bet to Alex that he made me play a real deck I'm gonna probably do it again I'm gonna have to buy some cards I don't have it's going to be really fun. I haven't played as much Modern recently as I have in the past, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I, I can talk about it a little bit more on the show, maybe when we get to that section, the M30 section, yeah. just uh, what, what the deck's going to be. But I will be buying my cards from Channel Fireball.
1: Hi, uh, this is, this is thrown in the beginning. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of content on today's episode. Uh, I wanted to do a big shout out at the beginning. Uh, we have Amanda Stevens joining for the second half of the podcast. Uh, and, uh, we didn't know that was happening when we recorded the first half of the podcast. So I'm recording this little advert for the advert for the podcast that you're currently watching. So, uh, that'll be, that'll be, uh, uh, later on in the episode. And thank you so much for watching. And we'll, I'll see you literally in whatever five seconds needed. Say, say hi, Amanda. (laughs) Hi Amanda. Perfect. All right. We'll see you guys in a second. Absolutely. And uh, so yeah. So those those are those are you know get our get our shout outs the first the first two shout outs and then the, we'll 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 do the the, the middle two uh, in the middle. Um, but uh, today we're talking about so so it, it is a little bit about Magic Thirty and Gen Con and 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 conventions in general and kind of this there's this really interesting thing that's happened with Magic 30 and and it was happening leading up to it it just seems to be a culmination of this and that is that there's kind of been this shift and the first thing I do want to talk about is almost the history of this of what magic influencer means but then also how they're interacting with the people running magic <laughs> and the game itself and right. and how these live events are happening and and you know how those events are using those creators to gain support of people going there, interest in people going there, and then how they're being compensated, but also just how they're being organized. And um I have here uh I, I think it's five. Let me let me confirm. One, two, three, four, four. I have four, four and, and possibly a fifth, uh uh, which will be the future. <laughs> uh four major eras of like magic celebrity or magic oh, right. in- and, and uh, that that have as has existed over time that I wanted to go over and and uh, it kind of adjusts like where I think one of the problems is and it's kind of a lack of organization at the moment is is that there's not really a collective voice of of influencers being able to talk to or even uh, even knowing who you're supposed to talk to from an influence perspective to be able to interact with the events in a, in a way that man sense, and, and i'll get that into a second so can, um, I, can, that's I guess
2: kind of... can i guess your four to see if i'm if i'm on the same page because you you have your four you wrote down which you're going to tee me up and see if. I, but i want to see if we're on the same page no
1: yeah, yeah guess guess your four and then i'll lay them out
2: okay Number one is the initial Magic on ESPN, John Finkel, Kai, like the first pros where like they were the faces of what magic was. Even magic design wasn't talked about in the same way back then, like probably pre 1999, 2000, the first like five, six years of magic.
1: No. Well, I guess that could be like a proto version. I'm I I guess I start right after that.
2: OK, so maybe so if you're going to go with w- that, it sounds all like we, that's we,
1: holistically in my first one. So my first, yeah, what would, what would be your second era?
2: My second era would be when the pros, when when there was enough pros and magic had an online presence and it started to get written about. You had the LSVs and the Kibblers and the Apollos and that whole generation of people where the pro magic player was also writing articles, articles about magic. And there was also working for the websites and they were grinding and they were doing GPs and they were on the gravy train. There was quite a few. Pros. So,
1: so. I have those two eras combined. I guess you could separate them. The, the key part of there is that the, the magic, cel- the first era, that first era of magic to me is the professional magic player was the celebrity. Okay. They were the ones creating articles. They're the ones creating content. They're the ones that you wanted to see. And well, and okay, so that's the first era. I'll, I'll get into to how it was organized.
2: What What's the second era? I would say that era number two, if you're going magic pros or era number one, uh, era number two is the, the creation of the content creator, like the earliest ones. That would be like when we when we got in, basically, and, and just before us. So like early 2010s, YouTube channels, Wedge, uh, Professor, Command Zone, us like the the very beginning of Magic Podcasts existing, just the whole, that whole concept. And yeah, you, we like would be
1: run, getting started, top teching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there so- wasn't enough of those people, right? So you'd go to things and like they're. Like it's also there Christine was like, started cosplaying originally. Yeah. There was like
2: 17 magic celebrities or something. And like yeah, kind. Of, I was yeah. Like, that, 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 that falls under the second era. So,
1: so for me, it's the, there's the first era, which I called the wild west, but then also the pro, the pro era where it's only pros, but also the major traveling tournaments were grand prix. And those grand prix were non centralized. So there was, you know, tens, if not hundreds of different tournament organizers around the country, all running those events, but through the framework of the Pro Tour, as well as the Hall of Fame and Wizards directly organizing those groups, that magic celebrity did have a central kind of management column, right? So you had uh Elaine Chase and Helen Berg Burge Burge Burg Helen Burgo, uh kind of managing both the pro players from a like helping them if they had issues or giving them the resources they need to know who they need to talk to and vice versa having them um kind of be like, oh it would be good if you went to this. These are the, the Grand Prix it would be important for you to go to as kind of, and and there was also appearance fees, right? If you're in the Hall of Fame, part of getting on the Hall of Fame was And before the next era, you were given consistent appearance fees, like every GP you went to, you got X amount of dollars plus buys every pro tour. You got X amount of dollars and you got a guaranteed invite, right? So there, there was like a framework about fostering that influencer. And then obviously that came with the articles and everything else that you mentioned the next era, which is kind of, uh, you know, the star city games, Channel fireball era, right? Where, where instead in the United States, The the uh, all Grand Prix's became Magic Fests. And this was a. there's a little bit of a gradient here and all. And so the main two series tournament runners in the United States become Star City Games, fostering its own tournament series and Channel Fireball running the GP series. And in that environment, that is when you start seeing content creators that aren't just pro players start really making a name for themselves. Up to that point, the the beginning of that was like prof and the command zone uh, and um, lesser extents us, more extents wedge, et cetera, uh, creating non-pro content. And it was also the beginning of EDH becoming a more championed format, though not what it is today. I also um, think there's
2: something interesting in that, which is that, and this is sort of where, and, and it, it ends, it will end with a greater conversation about this topic, I'm sure. But yeah, the, it used to be that the there was pros, they'd get brought out, and then artists would get brought out. Like that was the, those were like the two people that, that like GPs would feature. Like they'd bring artists of the cards to sign stuff but it was almost like if you were creating content on youtube there was no initiative by wizards or any of these to get you there like it was like if you you're you're doing all the work on your own to create a brand this is the place where you're going to be most recognized and be able to like grow the most if you go yourself right but there's there was no like acknowledgement that uh those people were doing wonderful powerful things for magic yet unless you were there's like a little
1: like you would like you know, if we were to show up at an SCG event or whatever, the chances that we would show up, especially in the early rounds, um it, the chances that we would show up on on a feature camera match was higher yeah. because, and especially in those early rounds where other but pros had buys, we were the people to look out for.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, we got to do a few of those. So, and that's and that's like the era, that era of expansion where people started to be like oh like I can just like talk about magic cards and I can play non-competitive formats if I want to and I can have opinions and like people will enjoy me for my personality because I play something that they also play is really an interesting place which which gets what I think is the last of the eras unless I'm skipping one
1: Nope, there's two more.
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna kind shut of up and let Alex do his thing. I thought I knew everything, and I don't know anything.
1: Well, uh, I mean, I'm interested to see what the next what if you agree what the next era is at least, and that's okay. that's the um, and it's a little bit of a messier one, but it's the MPL Arena Command Fest COVID era. <laughs> Right, that's just
2: so that's such a dumpster fire. It's not even. I I feel like the. I,
1: but I feel it, like it, it's important, right? I mean, it's a it's a it's a dumpster fire of transition. But like, it was the moment that like, well, oh, oh. Before we jump at that, I do want to go back to the, the the channel Fireball SCG era because there is a very very important feature to that era, and that is by centralizing the TOS and content creating houses around Channel Fireball and Star City Games. That is one of the reasons non pro play content creators in my opinion, not one of the reasons because a lot of things were happening at once, including the fosteration of streaming and YouTube, etc. But on top of that, in person events, there was organizations on those teams to deal with those influencer levels, right? There were very specific people that we would talk to or friends would talk to or that would negotiate contracts for them to go to events. And or if we were going to events, we know who to talk to like, hey, we're going to be here. What can we do to help? How can we do a panel? How, right, can, we, right, right. how can we participate? And different levels of compensation for that from magic boxes to, you know, here we'll shout you out, that's it, to actual, you know, here's a full stipend, whatever. But there were people at CFB and there were people at SEG that were the people, we, you know, influencers were talked to and be able to manage. And through that, you see the cosplay community massively explode. Um, with Christine, Olivia, Tappy, etc, being able to work with them to actually create specific event content. the first time we've ever had panels at anything that wasn't a pro tour, right? like the Grand Prix started having just regular panels happening. You had the magic fest Vegases happen. you had all of these really cool things start happening because you started having centralized organizations and it's where the command zone came from. It's because eventually they realized towards the end of it like, oh, a designated area, partially because co- a bunch of content creators were in GPLA, and we're like, got kicked out of the actual convention hall and we're sitting on the floor in the food court in uh, LA Convention Center playing commander with Wizards employees. <laughs> and it was kind of like, why are we here? <laughs> we're the people that people, you know, that like to me, that's almost the moment where there was this big transition from, oh, com- commander personalities matter or, or, or not just, people aren't just here to see pro players. They're here to hang out with, celebrity from professor to wedge to us, to the commander in to the RC to wizards, employees, et cetera, where before that it was like mostly centralized about around wizards employees. And then we I get also into think, the, the messy era.
2: I think that messy era too, though, you mentioned the MPL. for those that like don't remember was a, a brief time where essentially like a, a certain number of players were sponsored with a salary to play magic. And there you had to fight to get in and there wasn't that many slots. And it was a restructuring like we've had many times in the last five or six years of the professional payouts that go into players. And what was interesting about that era, I think, when you look back at it, is it's sort of the ultimate nail in the coffin for the idea of Magic having any real responsibility to foster its own professional circuit. Not to say they don't want it, but to pay for it. Because what they were getting out of those contracts, those, those players who were doing that, they weren't getting what they wanted with their marketing dollars. And that was the whole point was we're going to pay a salary to have these competitive players, but we need them to stream and we need them to be ambassadors for the community and grow the brand. And they were like, I I don't blame them. Those players, many of them were like, this is a salary on my job. I play so much magic anyway. I don't want to spend all the rest of my time putting the game on my back. Like this is my day job. It's like I, I right, like what you think I want to like spend time outside of my day job doing just for fun stuff that relates to my day job. Like I think it was, it was a, uh, an awesomely generous idea on, on wizard's part to spend the marketing budget that way. But I think it's reflective of how we got to where we got to. I, mean, like, I think, I think there, there are
1: parts of it that are unfair, right? Cause part of that is also that launched into COVID, right? And, and that, and that did have a, a big restructuring, but because of that, things that did happen, you know, content creation, decentralized. You know, I I tweeted yesterday where where is the number one place people go for content on the internet and 5 years ago the for magic content specifically 5 years ago the main answers to that would be Star City Games Channel Fireball Cool Stuff Inc TCG Player Daily MTG. I like I like discounting the fact that almost every answer had twitter because I did ask it on twitter which feels like, you know, a biased answer. A lot of the answers are like though Twitter, TikTok, uh, uh, YouTube, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, maybe, uh, channel fireball and and MTG goldfish were brought up and, you know, part of that is over the last few years, there has been a much more prolific or Twitch, uh, you know, much bigger prolification of content creators on Twitch, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, (laughs) uh, then. Any card selling website because the monetization, the the community has grown large enough that you can now monetize it on those platforms for a very long time. One of the reasons magic had one of the most robust article content streams behind it is because it was being funded by single sales. And now because Twitch exists, because these other platforms exist because Patreon exists, thank you patrons. uh, You can fund your content creation through those resources um to some extent and and so you've been able to build much larger followings around not competitive magic and not article based magic than previously there ever was before.
2: I think it's also fascinating too that the idea of what commander became from what commander was when it started, which was like pros and judges with their 100 card decks playing 15 years ago at like G- at like pro tours and gps together mm-hmm. to what it's become now. Which is the entry point for this identifying factor as a gamer. Like, it's you, ha- you get one commander deck, you build one, or you buy a pre con, whatever. And now you can go and hang out in this scene and feel like you have a place that's yours to hang out where you don't have to win. You don't have to be competitive. You don't have to be there all sharky. And like the cards that you have, it doesn't matter if you have the most expensive cards or you have a straight out of the box pre con. Like it's about playing the game with people. I think that's the thing is that the, the critical mass grew large enough that if somebody gets into this, they become immediately immersed in something much larger than playing standard ever was going to be. It was it's sure. totally different.
1: Well, and, and, and like, you know, Wizards was trying to do the esport thing, which is commendable. It, it just magic is more like golf, where if unless you are a golfer, watching golf is like paint drying. And Magic is not too dissimilar from a visual standpoint. And Arena makes that a lot better, which is why the Arena streaming platform was a lot better for for viewership in that way. But the watching experience, there's also something weird. And I don't know. I know there's people out there that know this more specifically than I do for sure. There's something weird with Wizards and advertising. Right, and 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 their relationship with the Pro Tour and advertising is something that's always been really wonky. Because for them, it is advertising. That for sure, I know. Right, the, the right, entire right, Pro right. Tour and G- Grand Prix circuit, the Grand circuit was a bet a best a net neutral money making experience. The the actual Pro Tour ex- Hall of Fame, all of that is literally came from Wizards marketing budget, and they realized during. Or During the MPL when they built the Pro Tour circuit as a actual esport environment, they kept it still based around the marketing budget. They didn't allow it to become like like you couldn't be a Red Bull sponsor for it. Right. Like Red Bull didn't have a team. And then when you had like when or, or when you couldn't have like gaming supplies or other things advertised on the teams, it was specifically like, no, there is magic teams. And maybe you're a magic, some of the magic retailers are allowed to do it, Channel Fireball, SCG, et cetera, but you're not allowed to be like a Coca Cola brand. So you're not allowed to be other brands that are sponsoring these events, or at least then those brands weren't interested. And so the fight, like that's how the League of Legends ecosystem works, right? The League of Legends esport does get some amount of money and infrastructure from the game itself as a marketing budget, but then a lot of the rest of the money comes from pro players being sponsored by computer companies or keyboard companies or mouse companies or energy drinks so that they can make a living because they have really good viewership. And Wizards just never got to that point either. It didn't get the viewership, so it was never able to sell it, or its viewership got big enough, but the people that wanted to sponsor it weren't allowed to partner because Wizards is Hasbro and has its own limitations on what they're willing to let you advertise. So it always was kind of this weird... How did, how does that person how does that environment make money? <laughs> well, I also think <laughs> I also the, think that's then, but that's
2: that's kind of my point, though. What I was saying a second ago about commander is that I think they had what I mean, standard is a less interesting format to me than modern or legacy or, or, or any eternal format. They're more fun because I think they're more cool cards. And yep. but it doesn't really change the fact that one V one paper magic and even to some degree, you know, arena, but not as much. It's not engaging enough as a viewer. That it's gonna grow exponentially if, if you get a surge in audience. That surge in audience happened. They just were attracted to a different part of magic. So the thing that that the MPL and that that like competitive side of marketing goes into, it didn't matter how many eyes you got on it. It wasn't gonna grow to the level that it would have ever been sustainable because that's not like that, isn't the greatest. It says on the back of the card, right? The gathering. Like that is the that is the number one function of what magic is great for, is that. It's, a, it's the best game ever created. I mean, it's an amazing game on so many levels, but the communal aspect of it is the thing that has ultimately shown now to be more important than anything else the game's ever, ever, ever created. It's the fact that we have 30 million plus worldwide players. And that when you go to these things, like you just want to hang out with other people who love the thing that you love. It's not about winning and losing. There's a side of it. I like to win, but I don't care if I lose in the same way that I do when I like play the movie trivia schmodown or I play like a sport. It's different.
1: Yeah, uh, that's fair. I, I, my, my point more is that there was a there's a model to make the esport of magic work and fund it. It just it hasn't been. And And, and I think there's like, like there are series out there like the NRG series that's going on right now. Like there are self-sustaining tournament circuits. Star City Games is a great example, right? Star City Games is totally autonomous. That is a tournament series, pro circuit, pro scene, pro influencer based ecosystem that was totally outside of what Wizards is doing. Channel Fireball right. has also done that in the past. Um, they just ended up being in the right partnership to be able to then ru- just run Wizards of the Coast's version of it uh, and and be profitable in it. So I, I think that there is a framework there. Um, but I think part of it is like the which is where that kind of era ends, which is like COVID happens. At the same time that like what a magic celebrity means changes again, because it starts including real celebrities, you get Post Malone, you get Cassius to some extent, you get, um, you know, some people that are magic creators become real celebrities like Jimmy and and Josh and 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 so you start also That's seeing wizards size, spending money I think on the like eyes
2: of their audience too like Jimmy Josh and Prof they got they've gotten so famous now within the community they're like. You know we're talking like like hundreds of thousands, millions of fans. Like if you're putting out a YouTube show that can get a half a million to a million views every episode and you're the star of the show, that's legit fame. That's a real, huge audience. It's very different, right? Like like I've been a micro a micro influencer, micro celebrity on various platforms, and I know the difference between 20,000 views and a million views. It's a very different number right uh, right
1: right and 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 so, And that happens around not pro play, right? Like that's the other piece to it is that these big celebrities are happening around commander and the social aspect of the game. And so so then we enter, then we then we exit covid, which, you know, that's debatable. But, you know, we enter the world that we're in now and live events are coming back and wizards to some extent rushes out the gate. You know, they have uh, this new commander set coming out. Uh, Channel 4 does this massive event. Uh, I was able to make it, and it it's it's stunning. It feels like grand Prix and magic fests are back. There's a massive modern tournament. Uh, there's a big command zone area. There's a bunch of cool artists and creators are there, and it feels like we're back. And then you know stuff goes dark for a second, and then wizards is having this new commander set, Baldur's Gate come out. Plus, another neither of these are standard legal sets. There's there's a two added or two x two is coming out, and. The conventions are back right like like gamma happens and and gen Con's going to happen and all of these other conventions and comic cons with these massive successful events wizards partners with every to in the country again bringing back to the old era where it was decentralized and fires off 15 not just the country the world and fires off 15 command fests and they're a little weird. Um, they have, you know, stipulations where you're—they have to be specifically commander focused. You're not allowed to run magic tournaments at them of any legitimate size. Preferably, the only product available to do any type of side event are uh, commander legends or other more uh, mystery, conventional mystery. draft formats, uh, more casual focused draft formats. So no, not like you can't do a new Capenna limited event, right? You have to do mystery boosters or, boosties or, or, not, yeah, mystery or chaos draft or to add a giant, etc. cetera. Not so you know, they have specific events. Each of the different tos are running it separately and they have some amount of ability to do something different. But the one stipulation is you're not allowed to run a big event at this event. That, that that's the one thing wizards say you can't do
2: at the Sorry, same time. I, you were, you were, you were, I've examples. And I literally said the three that are not legitimate. I was trying to say battle bond, is what I kept trying to get to, or I was trying to say conspiracy, but I think I literally said plane chase. I said arch enemy, and I said another one. <laughs> I said the three that are not draft formats. So I just wanted yeah. to clarify. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, that's go that's ahead. that's that's fair. We, we got, I got you. I was just letting I was letting it go. I wasn't going to bring literally it up. Uh, I wasn't going to call you out. So you have at the same time they made the the partnership with DreamHack, where DreamHack a- ends up being this um, like the return of the Pro Tour, where they've created a new pro tour qualifier system, a new tournament series. They have partnered with the DreamHack events, which is an already convention running event series where uh, at those DreamHack pro pro gaming competitive events, they will do magic pro tours as we move forward with a world championship and bringing pro tour play back, which is like a very exciting announcement with a different tournament organizer. And then uh, uh, additionally, you know, opening it up the series beyond that. So like NRG series, which uh, is doing their own thing. You have, you know, conventions are back. So Gen Con had its own events at, at, going on. And then towards the end of the summer, last minute, they announced the Magic 30 series, which is the first ones happening. And literally today tickets went on sale and they sold out entirely, uh, which is in Las Vegas. It's this are massive completely sold out. Uh, the all of the VIP packages sold out. So wow. so both the command zone sold out. The other $350 tier sold out. The, the 700 tier sold out. Everything above a certain level sold out. Uh, sold it in six hours. Um, that event happening in 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 Las Vegas is kind of the next Magic Fest Vegas, um, with the big modern tournament Ben described at the beginning that you can win a Black Lotus, et cetera, and and win a beta draft. Oh no, no, sorry, you win a beta draft. Beta draft. Um, yeah. Ironically, at the uh, three weeks later, the Summit event, MTG Summit, which which were 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 currently slated to go um, is happening in, uh, Utah hosted by Brandon Sanderson's tournament organizing company, uh, or not tournament Brandon Sanderson's, uh, convention organizing company and partnering with kingdoms TV, the magic channel, uh, friends of the cast. Uh, and if you're going, use the code, uh, K E S S, uh, cause it helps us, uh, it helps us out <laughs> speaking of sponsorships, uh, um, and they're doing an event. Uh, that has announces before the magic 30 announces any of the information announces about two weeks earlier and matches a slate of like 30 major creators from Sheldon Menery to Brandon Sanderson to uh, Jim and the spike feeders in general uh, going to the event. So that's the world we're in now, and that's the modern era, right? That's, that's the, the last of my five eras, um, and maybe six if you want to include the, like, early ESPN, the Ocho uh, <laughs> Magic
2: era. I just, uh, um, I just think the only reason I, I use that as an illustration, it's so early when those early pros, but what's so interesting about that is that those guys, of that initial earliest run of pros, only a few of those made it into the next run that we that were even around when you and I were, like, getting into oh, magic sure. competitively. A lot of those guys and those memories of like those early five years of Magic, it was people didn't understand what a competitive card game was yet. Magic was the first competitive card game of its type. So, like, there wasn't a clear understanding of the fact that like it was like trying to be esports so far ahead of esports. Um, I, so, I think you can conflate the two in, into one experience, but it does realistically go from like 1994 to like probably like 2006. It's like probably 10 years. So it's a pretty long era. I feel like there's almost two halves of it. Sure. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't
1: think the concept of influencers existed before 2002.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: Right. You were just a celebrity. You were a famous person. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, and, right, And or you were a company trying to push someone as a athlete on a, on a ESPN like channel, right? Like influencer is a little harder to pitch when it's just like active celebrity. You were a rock star. You were a, you were actor. A, a, an actor or you were an athlete. and those are. If you weren't one of those three things, maybe you were a news, like a news anchor. You know, you were a, a talk sure. show person, which I would, yeah. In, in some ways, is actor. You were an entertainer, um, comedian, etc. So, so uh, influencers just, yeah, it's different than now, where like my following is so big that I am invited to think. You know, I'm I am used as an yeah. advertising platform into it myself, and so. So yeah, so so that's the area right now. And and what's interesting about now is this is the one time, and this is what I think one of the issues that, that a lot of these events are running into, is this is the one time that Magic the Gathering tournament series or uh, conventions, if you will, are decentralized, right? There's 18 different organizers just in the US, plus DreamHack, plus... Summit plus, you know, those not including Summit, you know, that are just Wizards run. There's a Wizards ran one with Magic Thirty, and then there's independent ones like the Energy series and 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 the Summit events. And these are all decentralized, but there's no framework like the Hall of Fame to mitigate the fact that also all of the main influencers of the game are spread all over the place right there is tiktokers like anomaly there is youtubers like jimmy and josh or youtubers uh slash content creators like uh joe uh there is cosplayers like tappy and olivia there is um you know streamers like uh amy the amazonian or mental misplay there is the cag and the rc there is artists there's altruists there is proxy people you know there's so many there's people like Inklin. like there's so many different versions of what having a following at one of these events are which is great right like that's the point is that you could just inviting a subset of the best of each of those subcategories to a to a magic command fest having them all arrive and then letting them like and giving them an ability to even pitch like oh i want to do a TikTok booth area or i want to do a panel or i want to do you know custom card drawing that i'll do or i'll do cosplay or you know whatever like creates a convention experience and and but there's but there's so many different organizations running these events on their own that none of those people currently have a person to talk to there's no there's no it's not like when wizards cuz before when there was a wild west of tournament organizers all of pro play was basically under the pro play system, all of magic, magic, infamy or or, or influence. So there was Helen and Elena and and um, Elaine and Elaine. And and you would talk to Wizards, right? Wizards was managing those people in a way that that benefited them and then benefited Wizards because Wizards was cultivating this slew of influencers that helped pitch their game, made their game more successful over time. And I think that's the starting point, you know, 30 minutes into this episode of the, the, my thesis of what's wrong right now.
2: (laughs) I I wanted to add, I wanted to add to one of the things that you sort of suggested here, but I want to make clear for people is that when you, when it comes to, if you're booking a convention, any convention in the world, like let's, let's say it's like an entertainment convention, San Diego comic-con or any of the comic-cons around the world, and you want to book talent, right? Like you just, you're going to book talent for your convention, certain number of actors from certain shows, movies, whatever. It's pretty easy to find. Oh, I want this person. Who are they repped by? If I Google who they're repped by, I'll be able to find their rep. IMDb Pro lists it. Like, it's not hard to find. You'll find their rep and you'll book it through their manager or their publicist or their agent. But like if they're a person of note, magic celebrity and influencers, by and large, some have agents, some don't. They're harder to track down. It's a little weirder. So pe- not only not only is there not like a centralized list of people to go after... But often those people that you're going after, it's a different experience going after any of them. Some of them know exactly what they're doing. Some of them have no idea what they're doing. And I feel like we, I mean, uh, we had lunch with somebody who is involved in tournament organization at Gen Con and had a kind of a conversation a little bit about just what from the perspective of a, of a content creator, like from our perspective, when we go to a major event, you know, like what is it that we're looking for? Obviously, any creator wants to be, you know, wants to feel taken care of. But specifically, what are like the little things? And it's interesting that those little things that are standard, like they're completely standard in many industries. If you are anywhere as any form of talent. They're not even really considered at some of these magic events. They're like you almost have to ask for them. It's very strange. It's like there's a disconnect between the concept of somebody who is a, cre- a creator, like an entertainment creator, within this field, and then the people who are trying to create an entertainment experience. And they, in theory, they should they should blend perfectly, but they're but they don't. They haven't. And and I think that's a little bit of the issue is like that. It's not quite clear yet what these things are and what the value of the talent that these things really is. And I, I think, think that's.
1: Right. And some of it, some of it is learning, right? Like the, the, the onus of this conversation is the magic 30 event. Cause this is infamously, at least if you're on the internet, uh, you know, a event that has just sold out, you know, from a, from a attendance perspective, at least from the main event or the, the, the main events, as well as the command zone, you know, enough people paid to go to it, to sell it out within six hours. So it's a big enough of a draw there, but like specifically and weirdly limited in these type of people that they've invited, right? There's about there's about eight big key people, um, and 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 friends of the cast, like all, all of these amazing amazing guests. You know, some wizards' employees, some out of wizards, um, and uh, and a a list of unannounced people that are also included that they for some reason haven't been telling who's going to be there. Like it, it they've been slow rolling this content, but then so there's strange. also a list of people that are like. Like Shivam, there is an RC panel. There's an RC and CAG panel. And and there are RC and CAG members who were not invited to go to the event.
2: Well, I want to unless I, I, they pay for it. to go. The the M30 thing, you know, my experience and I like transparently, you know, we have done this podcast and been in the magic content creation space now for eight years. Um we are we've talked about it, like we've made little to no money on this show. In fact, I would argue we've more than likely lost money. We've always done it because we've liked it. Um, we've tried to keep it alive and constantly involve it because we love it. We love the game and the community. And we've been really fortunate throughout our time doing it to be able to go to events and meet people. And oftentimes, we'll you know we we'll get a comp pass to a command zone or something cool like that, something small that's, that's really nice that makes the event better for us. And I think it's fascinating that at this event, there's like a billion side events that are really cool. Um, I don't know if you've looked at the event schedule, but it's nuts. Like it's it's my dream. It's every wacky throwback draft format, every chaos draft. There's a there's a modern tournament for a beta draft. You can't book any of those side events ahead of time. You can't reserve your spot if you haven't purchased a ticket. And. I don't even necessarily need to play in a command zone, right? Like I like to play commander now It would be fun. That's what I would hope to be doing. But if I got there and they were like, hey, the command zone's too competitive at this event. It's just we can't accommodate you. I'd be like, that's OK. I'll play commander with my friends at other tables when when they can or back at the hotel. And I'll hang out here and I'll, you know, and I'll, I'll sign up for these side events. But the idea that like the only three day pass that I could even buy that was even like remotely reasonable was a buck 60 just to be there to allow me to then purchase side events. Right. Like I spent almost $400 today on my entry and my one side of it. I wanted to do not knowing if I will even go be able to go into the command zone. There's a party. There's like a, there's like an add on party that like, I was like, I mean, I hope to go to that party, but like it feels like an entry to the command zone or like an invite to this party would be like, the things that I would have sort of wondered if even even creators at our level might
1: well, might get, yeah. and 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 I don't, and like the point of this episode, and I, I want to make clear is because like you know, I, as Ben kind of said at the beginning, there, it, we are. I'm very comfortable in like my mid tier existence as a magic content creator. Um, See, I, I was, I, I was, I was happy to like, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was gonna do it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, but but and and this is kind of where like you know the, the the onus came from is like, but there are people that are bigger than me that like there are stuff about this event that is like theoretically panels for them should exist, right? Like (laughs) if there's an RC CAG event, multiple CAG members aren't invited or included seems weird and much larger streamers than us, not invited or, 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 and then, and then for the last four days questioning like, Oh, should I go to this event? This is, it is really expensive. And because of that, and because I'm like, if I go, I am benefiting this event and it's going to cost me more, then I would get paid to do something like this in general. Why? Why? And 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 so there are a group of people that like felt like and then but then at the same time, events sold out. So so, but but on the opposite end, there's the summit event, which you know is a is a you know a ton of creators are going to, um, and is based almost purely off of that attendance, right? Like they, they were able to pull off a really pretty cool, significant amount of, uh, uh, creators to attend and put up a tournament that has a black Lotus at it. And like, there's a cool event going on. And that also seems to be attended at a pretty high level. So, and that's in Utah. That's not a magic fest, Vegas, right? That's not a Vegas location. That's a, that's a relatively hard to travel to salt Lake city. And that's now also kind of being talked about as one of the main events to go to this fall. And you have these two events that had almost the opposite, opposite plan against each other, which is one was like, we're going to focus on here's the top 10, the top 20 magic content creators that are more employees almost. And the other one's like, we're going to invite the big content creators that are widespread from spike beaters to et cetera and see who we can get. And both are working. And this like this goes all the way back to the, the command fest, right? Like there is a command fest where a bunch of people were, were you know, people got flown in and different levels of what of those creators were able to be supported there. Uh, there were events that happened at the same weekend and that group was like, yeah, we're not going to invite anyone. Just we're in Seattle. So I guess people will show up and we'll advertise whoever tells us they're going to be here. You know, then that's like drastically different effects. And it's,
2: it's I also wanna point out. I want to point out really fast on the on the note of like the different approaches um, the if you look at the different packages on the, on the Magic 30 website, one really interesting part of this, and I, I'm actually a little confused by this. So the Sapphire package, which is the only package you can buy as an adult for the whole weekend that doesn't include the Command Zone, it's $160, right? Mm-hmm. But in the $160, it includes two Dominaria United Collectors boosters and a Mystery booster. So the cost of a collector booster is like, I don't know what is a 15, 16 bucks or something like that. And a mystery booster, probably it's a little less than that. Maybe it's ten dollars. But like there's essentially retail products included in this that total somewhere in the range of like 40 bucks. And they're kind of random. It's two boosters and a mystery booster. It's not like a, it's not a draft set. It's not like there's something you're supposed yeah. to do with them. There's just packs that you're going to open that are cool to have. But it's like, but why like just so it's a higher ticket price? I don't. That's so confusing to me.
1: I, I, I mean, I honestly. Okay, so, so on this podcast, we have forever been pretty big proponents of Magic Fest should be conventions, and at conventions, if you have the dollars behind it, you pay a fee for the full weekend, right? Yeah. So, so from that perspective, I get it, and this is kind of my point with the content creator angle. If Wizards had spent. not even spent if Wizards just sent out an invite to a thousand content creators or even even a hundred content creators that I can think of and was like, hi, we will give you hotel rooms in Las Vegas this weekend and give you full access to the event. And if you want to do some cool projects, we'll even consider paying you to do those things. Uh, Will you come? They would have had. And if they had done that three weeks ago before the event got announced and a bunch of people of different levels, I don't even want it to be me. Pretend it's not me. Uh, Like they would have had a much different response on Tuesday. That would have been a much more successful launch. Now, financially, it's doing well, but the main event isn't sold out. And and, and kind of the point is, I think like they thought, you know what? We're going to instead of getting creators, which feels like this a nebulous thing, we're going to give these packs that we just have extras of and add them to each of the packages. So it feels like you're buying packs when you're getting entry to this event. And it's just kind of like, why am I paying to be in the command zone? They've even announced that there's a separate area that has free play. Now it's probably going to be, you know, the six big circle tables by the cafeteria that have food either on them and never get cleaned up. Or there'll be free play events that if there's a draft that needs to happen in there, you get kicked out of that space, which sucks. Um, But that 160, like, I think it's good to have those. I, I think it's good. To have there be an opening dollar amount that you have to pay to attend these events.
2: I don't think well, that no, is dude, a problem. I, for me. I agree completely, but that's my point, right? $160 is like this could cost $120 and not include the boosters. And it would be like from a retail perspective, it would still be like, oh, I still have to pay a buck twenty to just go. That's enough. But that's remember,
1: enough. remember, remember, like packs aren't free for wizards, but they're not the cost in the packs are development and opportunity, right? It's not the cost to make a collector booster from a like actual sense to manufacture a collector booster is not that expensive compared to its value on the market because of what's
2: inside of it based on, a you know, the, the IP that's built around magic, right? I guess my point is like, imagine that, again, I'm just this food for thought because I don't, there's, there's numbers so, behind so, this. That, that so my, be my point
1: is, is that my point is that the 160, you were paying $160 because that's how much they needed to charge people to attend at that level for this event to do what they're trying to do. It has nothing to do with the packs. The packs are them giving it away to people to make it feel like it's worth doing.
2: Sure, and that's understandable, but they also still had to plan the event. They still had to plan the event. They still had to come up with these different tiers and they still had to say, okay, well, what we want to do is this, so we're going to charge this. And I, in my mind, I'm almost like, okay, well, what my, if My, the- my
1: point is, is that you saying if it cost $40 less, I wouldn't need the packs and I would still pay for it. My point is that they couldn't they needed to charge at a minimum 160 for attendance. And they knew that that was a lot more than it's ever been before. And then right. throwing these random packs in there was them trying to say, we know that this is weird that you have to pay this amount to attend this event. Here's free money, basically. That got you got something out of it?
2: No, I, I so I it's like I understand that, but I still go back to my same initial point, which is they still had to set these tiers based on the cost of what they wanted to do with the event. They wanted to do tons and tons and tons of cool things. And if you look at the side events and you look at what you look at, what's like being put into those, whether it's prize support or it's just the availability of all of those different old packs and things like that. Like they obviously well, you're had to spend a lot.
1: You're, you're paying for those packs, right? Like well, all of those events cost significant amount of money to be able to attend to. Like those aren't different than any other GP. They just, did a good job of correlating it for this event, right? Like the, the thing that's weird is this is, this is the big question mark I have and we're going to find out more, right? They're going to announce more people are attending and, and etc. It's just, it's weird that they didn't do some of this before people paid to be a, a part of the event. And uh, also for, and like, this is a true statement, right? There are content creators that like are Either they're like, I'm biting the bullet because I realized that this is a networking event that I need to go to and or I'm going to have fun or I have friends that I want to see there. Or I can I, or I can afford it, luckily, that are going to go and paid for it already. A paid for themselves and B paid a, taking a ticket from someone else that wanted it since it sold out. There's the other slew of people that were like, oh, I guess I'm not going to go. Too bad. I can't afford it. And now even if they do get an invite to go, it's weird. And so like. I don't it's it's just like it, it, there was some amount of dollars or some planning that went into it. That seems like very, very, very messy. This felt like a very <laughs> and and like an, a, and part of the reason I want to record this is because obviously the launch was successful from a dollars of people wanting to attend because a not everyone is all, the people on Twitter. But B, it's just like a very messy event for like n- for no reason, like all of the bad blood on this feels like like they could have done. So avoidable. No, that's the good. That's I, the that, thing that. and, yes, and what am I? What what is the command zone? What is the val? What is the three hundred fifty dollars value of the command zone? Right. Because yeah, the, I don't know. Because is it? Because it's like of the seven celebrities they've announced, a few of them play commander. But a like if if there are seven hundred people that are you know say two hundred people allowed in that event, in the in the command zone area, that's the max cap that they capped it out. There's this five people that I know on that list that actually would play commander. Cause like Maro is not going to play commander. Richard Garfield doesn't play commander. They're going to yeah. be around doing events, but they're not going to do the command zone They're Even if they played a hundred percent commander the entire yeah. time, all three days of the weekend, maybe they get 15 games in and that's like being very generous and they would be exhausted and would never want to yeah. play commander again. And that's, you know, so I guess 15 times three. So 45 people per influencer gets to play with an influencer, which is like, I guess everything, but it's weird. That's weird. (laughs) That's such a limited
2: amount of, 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 of stuff that's happening there. And so don't you you also feel like they're as cool of, of influencers and magic celebrities as they are the ones that are, because again, you just said Richard Garfield, and Merrill aren't going to play commander, the ones that are there Like, they're people that are awesome. They also go to events. It's not the first time they've ever gone to an event. They they go to events. If you go to Magic events, you've probably seen them or maybe played
1: with them. Like,
0: it's such an elevated price. paying,
2: Paying for the command zone at Magic
1: the Gathering Las Vegas last year, and if you were in the command zone, you were constantly around 30 to 80 different people. That you normally would just interact online and watch their YouTube content, and getting to hang out with them, getting to play games with them, getting to be a part of that experience, which I think is worth it to some people. M- I mean, may- I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like it's the 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 it's, but like it's three hundred and fifty dollars. That's like that's the point, right? To be in this area costs you as much. It's five fifty dollars less than going to Coachella,
2: uh, dude. I mean, you hundred fifty dollars
1: less me. than EDC, right? So like. And, and, or sorry, it's $50 less than EDC. It's $150 less than a weekend at Coachella. But all you're getting at this is just some packs and a place to sit and play commander at a convention hall in Las Vegas. That's, that's my point, right? Like, like I'm fine if that's worth it, I guess. But like the, the, the argument for the influencer side of things is more like that brings value to those areas in a way that I, I have to imagine people are interested in. Otherwise, where else, or, where else is the money? Cause like the other th- side is panels, right? Like we've ran panels for, for CFB uh, we've done the trivia thing and I've done, you know, I, I participated in Tappy's uh, uh, match game game show stuff that she's done. And those are awesome. And we had great audiences that were super, super stoked for those events. And there are a ton of other people I know that would put panels off to make something cool and exciting at this event, but there's like six panels total for all three weekends.
2: No, I think the thing that's the most surprising about it is like, again, this is what that conversation we had at Gen Con was like, okay, so imagine you are a micro influencer in the space all the way up to the biggest. If you're talking about the biggest of the biggest, like the ones who are announced, the, the top ones, those people, there's no question those people are getting flown in. And, and, and they should be. They have huge audiences. They're getting taken care of, I'm sure. I don't know what their deals are, but I'd be shocked if not, right? But those people have agents. That, like those people have some probably some level of management if you get to that size. Everybody else, it's not like really in Wizards best interest to shell out tons of money for every person because it does get expensive. Like we've we've been an organization for event creation. We've also had to bring people to various shows. It adds up really fast. If you're, if you're trying to get people flying people in, getting hotel rooms, paying for food stipends, like if you do that for a lot of people, it becomes very expensive. However... I don't think that that's necessary. I actually think it's a much lower barrier to entry for most of the people that they would get involved. You mentioned hotel rooms. I don't even know if that's necessary. I legitimately think if they were to reach out to people and go, hey, we've got command zone, we would give you access. We've got this party and you can get an invite to it and we'll, you know, it's, you're just welcome to come and hang out and we want you there. And like, is there anything you'd like to be involved in? Like they, they invite, like literally I would be like, OK, I'll stay on a couch in somebody's suite. I'd stay on your couch suite. If like I was like, I'm going to get free entry. I'm going to go to this party. I don't have to get my ticket. I'll pay for my one side event. I get to be there, interact with people, promote the game, say great things online about this. That's all that would be required. And I think that many of the people who are at the same size of level of you are much bigger in magic than I am or myself, who's much smaller in magic. I still think we would be pretty happy to get even that level of support. And that doesn't cost much. That's pretty inexpensive for wizards, which is where the real head scratcher of this event comes in is like, this isn't the first magic event they've run. The people inside know the people of our level. They know lots of them, hundreds of people. They like are aware of who we are. We get preview cards. We get involved in things like we're they know we're on their radar. Like and I use us as the example, but like people of our level are are definitely on their radar. And that's the thing that is just like the event's just a head scratcher in that way.
1: Well, and and that and that's like part of the, the the reality shift, right? We've now moved to a convention model, but no one's managing parts of this in a way that I think would be nice if they did. And or or they're doing it at such a top level, where like, oh no, we're only gonna get the top ten people, the top twenty people, and that's all we're going to focus on. But then they're like the part of that's going to blow up in his face is my point, right? Is like, I feel bad for the 10 people so far that's been advertised. That sounds exhausting. If you're one of the only seven people, people are traveling to this event to go hang out with. Uh, and to, and to your point, I agree. I think like there's tiered levels of, and that, that was the mistake. The dream hack event happened, right? We, we had Tobin on, on the podcast and he explained it. He no longer has that dream hack. And he famously kind of like, gathered every email of every person in the magic community that makes content and sent everyone an invite to go to, to the dream hack event for free. He gave them entry, literally what we just described. The problem being that he emailed everyone from prof to, you know, a, a, a a up and coming TikToker with less than 5,000 followers, the exact same invite in email. Um, And, and there was like some mistakes there where it was like, it sounded like he was offering to fly, have you stay and, and get a ticket. But in reality, it was just a ticket to the event and entry to be able to participate. Right. Um Which, which, you know, now I think with a dollar amount behind it, this widely advertised, I think people definitely would accept that as a package, but I also think you need to be specific, right? You don't offer prof that package. You don't offer Jimmy and Joff that package. They're different. You, but, but there are other people that like, Hey, I'm a streamer. I do really, really well for magic. There's a bunch of people that would be hyped to go hang out with me. you can you can include me. Let me attend your event. Let me without me having to like it shouldn't be a massive expense for me to go to your event because because there isn't a value for that that streamer to go other than their own entertainment purposes if it's something right. that's worthwhile to go to. And for a lot of people, this event is very expensive. And when you're in the content creation game, especially, if this is your full-time job, It's you don't you're not making infinite dollars. So you're also
2: not making you're also not make like if you're a streamer, you're not making content while you're at the thing. Like if you're if you make YouTube content, you can film some stuff. You're a vlogger, but if you're a content creator whose job it is to play magic on camera, and that's what you do, and you want to go to this thing, and you normally stream every day, and now you go to this event, you take four days off. That costs dollars. That costs money to go. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's and and like this event's going to be fun. I like, I don't, I don't want to like rag on it too hard. It's more, it's more. Between the messiness of the command fest and the fact that there's like 18 different organizations all running these things differently. And it's up to every single content creator to, do this on their own when previously there was people at wizards that you could communicate with and would be an assistant in kind of making sure that a you were either taken care of or knew what was going on or knew who you needed to talk to none of those resources exist now and if anything they're relatively gate kept uh, which not only just hurts and like the last part of this is like not only does it hurt like you know mid tier creators etc but also just like creators of color creators from other backgrounds like there's a whole thing going on where you like have to apply if you're a person of color to attend Magic 30 and prove to them why you're an interesting enough person to be able to attend, which like is very yucky. Really? <laughs> that's, like web, that's like on the website? Yeah, there's like a whole application process. Like like on one hand, it's a grant to allow, uh, uh you know, persons of color and an access to be able to go to this event if you're able to apply for it. But at the same time, it's also like we didn't know enough people that – Fell under this paradigm so we're making you all apply to it with your back you know what you do for a little la- 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 and it's like weird it's weird and it's also kind of like you couldn't think of more creators to invite and feature at this event that a better um, way to do this <laughs> yeah this is all bad <laughs> there's just a yeah, lot of messiness.
2: <laughs> it's definitely one of the weirder one of the weirder things uh, about definitely one of the weirder like like, I'm surprised they would have an event of this level of profile of like this level of excitement that would be this thrown together. I texted I texted a friend, a friend of ours who we've known for a long time, who's kind of a little more on the inside of this sort of stuff. And had and I heard back, like, it just seems like it's coming together pretty fast. It was like that was the response I got. Yeah. That's the vibe. Right. That's like that, that's definitely the online vibe that I'm getting all over cool. everywhere. It just seems cool. like it's moving very fast.
1: Like this is, and this is, this is the last piece and it's supposed to be the celebration of the 30th anniversary of magic. And this is the most whale focused event magic has ever created. Do you know the term whale? No, Uh, it's, it's uh, a, so for it's, it comes from the, the, the digital, like uh, a freemium gaming space, right? Like, like candy crush or, or clash of clans. Those games make the majority of their money from whales and that's people that have a lot of disposable income and spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on their game like they don't make most of their money from like random people that will like i'll drop five dollars on this game when i first get it just to like get started and or like oh i spent like 10 hours on this game I'm willing to spend up to $60 because that's how much I'd spend on a regular video game and I've spent that you know not those these are the people that are like oh no maybe they're actually putting their life savings into this in a way that's unhealthy level of people
2: that's what you're saying it's this this event is focused on this event is focused on bringing in a smaller audience with a lot of money
1: yeah exactly it's 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 focused on that weird specific audience at at its price point because it's not offering enough to attend to make it worth a Coachella weekend, right? Like magic could do that. There's a version of a magic convention. I would even argue that magic Las Vegas last year was comparable to a Coachella weekend. If like to get in was $150 and to be a part of the command zone was another $150 and then, you know, whatever $50 to $100 you spent on events past that, like was your weekend. That's how much Coachella costs and it was worth it. I, I like, and, and, and as someone who like, was only there for 48 hours, it was worth it. So like, I think there's a version of a magic event with the right, with the right community focused feel to it. That is worth that price point. This one feels like, Oh, if you can spend this money, you will Right? like this was like, this is, this is maybe not worth it to most people, but yeah, sure. This is going to be a big event. I want to make sure I don't miss it. So I'm going to, I'm going to spend money that I have available because I can afford it. And that, that, And it locks out that weird level of content creator of of people from more distant, you know, that don't have the money to be able to attend in a way that all. Yeah, I just and and there's no one to talk to. It's a very, very weird. um, It's a bad vibe, I guess, is the only way I could say it from a content creator perspective that like you don't want from the magic 30th anniversary kickoff event. Right. Like If this was just a magic fest as as it used to be, I think I think there's a version of it that people are more like and then has like really cool, expensive side events that you have to pay to attend. I think a lot of people would have been really hyped.
2: Yeah, I mean, it does your point about the your point about the side events like I don't think they subsidize the beta draft and all those old packs with the cost of entry because it's one hundred fifty dollars a person. I don't think I get anything for entering that tournament. I'm pretty sure I enter that tournament. And if I scrub out two rounds in, I think I'm just down 150 bucks. (laughs) Like, which is which is like way more expensive than any like any competitive tournament I've ever entered into. And also reflects a lot more of what like something I'm excited about, which is like the idea of really, really, really high EV if you do well. Um, But it also means that if every one of the pods is capped at like either 224 or 256 probably, and it's $150 a person, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a very high dollar amount.
1: Yeah, and, and we're, we're we're running running out of time too. So so I do want to uh, do a few things before we finish the conversation. Uh, first first off is trivia for for our patron. This is patron sponsored trivia. So uh, every week we do a game of trivia, and this is how it's going to work. Uh, and thank you patrons for for providing the question. Uh, you, uh, I'm we're making a bet. If you you have to get this question right, you comment in the below. I'm going to ask Ben the question. He's going to him and ha. You're going to answer below with the answer. Uh, if you comment below with the correct answer, uh, you you win our adoration uh and we'll like like your comment and and we greatly thank you if you mess it up though you have to hit that like and subscribe button that's the rules we don't make them you're stuck doing it uh and and that's that's the way the cookie crumbles so ben here's the trivia question there is a card type uh a retired card type uh that appears on only two printed cards name the type And this is from Brandon S. Russell on uh, from our patron,
2: a retired card type that appears on only two cards. Mm-hmm. What well, can't be interrupt because I was on a, quite a few old cards. And is it? Uh, it's probably one of the old like. Enchant world or like poly artifact, mono artifact, like it's in that range is what I'm guessing. Um, Hired card type. I'll say. uh, artifact, mono artifact. Oh, I don't know. Mana source was an old. They used to put that on cards. I'll say enchant world. Uh, No, that is
1: not correct. There's actually quite a bit of those. Uh, The, the answer. uh, So this um, lock in your comments, get those comments below. The answer is mana source. And it was only ever printed on. Dark, ah, just dark,
2: dark ritual, ritual. and
1: culling yeah. the week had it printed on them as their, as their, as their card type. Uh, it was me mumble it.
2: I mumbled it just before I landed on my last one. I know
1: I, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm poker face, baby. We're going to <laughs> Vegas. Uh, so, so uh, if you if you did um, uh, get that wrong, hit that like and subscribe button. If you commented correctly, thank you so much for commenting and uh, hanging out with the algorithm. We would super appreciate it. Once again, uh, we are in the middle of a Kickstarter. Uh, you can kickstart these drop dot d twenties, and we definitely appreciate it. A great, great deal. So make sure to check that out for sure. Um, we have either surpassed our goal or about to surpass our goal. Uh, And you could be helping us get to get to get the winter orbs out there, get those Azorius players, blue white players, the color dice of their
0: choice. Plus, it gets us closer to all of our other stretch goals, which are really awesome for everyone. All right. Hello. Uh,
1: this is a, uh, a, a small segment within the segment within the segment. Um, you know, we did this whole episode talking about what's going on with magic 30 and all the other different kind of conventions that are going on this year alongside how wizards relationship with influencers has changed over the years. And, uh, we wanted to get Amanda on, uh, who, who has a background in this space specifically alongside, um, uh, other parts of it. And, uh, kind of get get her feedback and, and, and talk through uh the whole uh situation with voices that aren't just me and ben and uh this are be- very
0: lovely voices
1: uh thank you that's our uh you know we were a, a, a voice for radio uh <laughs> ben has a facebook <laughs> cover, <though. laughs> um, uh hello amanda how are you
0: hi everyone i'm amanda stevens i am a former level one magic judge i am a Returning magic content creator. I took a very long break and uh basically the professor dragged me back into doing content creation and now I'm doing that for Commanders Herald, where I write about diversity, equity, inclusion, and magic. Uh so like recently I did an article about how we keep how we make our stores more inclusive and inviting. I just did a piece this week, which will probably be last week by the time this airs, on um blackness and magic. Um but also I'm a diversity equity inclusion professional and I've been working in gaming and conventions for like the last 11 12 years so I have a bit of a perspective on the way cons are formed the way that they reach out to guests uh, the measures that they take for diversity uh, that I think some that is somewhat missing from some of the magic discourse surrounding Magic 30 on Twitter is that a lot of people a lot of people's only reference point is GPs, Magic Fests, SCG Cons, and now Magic 30. And they don't they've never really gone to like a Pax or a Gen Con or a New York Comic Con.
1: Right, right. Well that's I mean, that's one thing that like even in hindsight of us recording the original episode that like clicked for me is I've been going to San Diego. I mean I, I this pass has expired three years running now, but uh cause COVID <laughs> but I, I attended San Diego comic-con, which is one of the hardest events to get into in the country. One of the largest fan conventions, if not the largest fan convention in the country off of a creator badge for years. Like they have a system in place for people to be like, hi, this is my background. This is why it's exciting for me to go to your event. I can fill in these three check marks. I have this amount of followers on these platforms. This was my reach. These are the things I'm creating to help you. Uh, let me go to your event without having to pay for it. And that, that, that's not necessarily a yeah. me. And a lot,
0: of, a lot of ReadPop cons, for those of you that don't know, ReadPop is basically the company that runs conventions. Uh, they run San Diego Comic-Con, Emerald City Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, all of the PAXes, and a bunch of other cons. Um, and what is very common in a lot of these cons, and even Gen Con, which isn't run by ReadPop, is having multiple different ways to attend the convention. There is obviously the, like, different badges that you get that get you different access to different types of things. But there's also, like, the media badge. And as, you know, uh, Alex is talking about, the creator badge. This is something that PAX has, Gen Con has, and some of the Comic Cons have. And as Alex said, you apply for this, and you have to check off some benchmarks and sometimes they'll let very small creators in because, like, they like their work where they think that this will be a great growth opportunity or symbiotic uh, thing where it's like, oh man, look at this really small creator we gave a badge to. Makes them look good, makes the creator feel great. Everyone's happy. Right. Um, this is very common in nerd conventions, just like across the board. Um, and so like the first critique that a lot of people had for Magic 30 is like, hey, this looks like a really small creator guest list. It's, like, Josh and Jimmy from the Command Zone to unnamed people from the Commander Rules Committee to unnamed people from the CAG, Gavin Verhey, Mark Rosewater, Richard Garfield, and, like, the Studio X team. And people are like, hold on. <laughs> what about, like, John Finkel? What about, like, Kai Bood? What about, you know... Even Paulo Vito you know, Damadorosa, like even before we get like I'm looking at this as like a like magic history thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do it's you the not off the name, magic like? Event. How do you not pick like five people from the Hall of Fame right. and just be like, "Hey, these guys are coming," right. and then sure in this like modern era of magic where like content creators have a lot more weight than they used to. Just Josh and Jimmy, where's like Loading Ready Run? Where's you know the professor? Where's where's uh, you know, or modern like, magic cast? You know, like oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> but like, 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 but
1: like, or where, like, we have Christine, like, there's like, there's like big, and some of these people might be going, right? That's the other weird, so there's problem.
0: so for, I'm gonna hold off on like naming cosplayers yeah, because yeah. there's probably like an NDA where they've been because, like, I know from talking to cosplayers both in Magic and out of Magic. They usually have to. They are usually contacted like three or four months in advance to be able to make the cosplay, to then like be able to like do the thing they want. Um, so there's a high chance that like people like Olivia, Tappy, Christine have already been reached out to. Absolutely, and, and like and... are just not allowed to say anything
1: yet. Yeah. Well, and, well, and and we know Olivia's on right. That's already that's already yeah, our... yeah. now. and 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 the other part of that is like. Why? Why? Why haven't this is? You should have announced it two days ago before everyone bought passes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like a big complaint that I I I have about Magic Thirty, and it's a similar complaint that I have for another Magic convention a month later, or actually, it's like a few weeks later uh, for Magic Summit, is that there is not a lot of information w- ahead of people buying tickets, right? Like. The magic's Magic Summit can gets like some passes for like being a small outfit, but they're a small outfit essentially trying to run a magic fest. So like
1: the yeah, the they the,
0: probably they 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 like definitely chose like a very large scale for their first event. Right. Um but like both events are expecting people to like buy badges. Magic 30's like big selling point is the 30th anniversary of magic and the celebration that comes with it. And magic summit is look at all these creators coming. Don't you want to hang out with these creators? But like neither of them really are selling you on like the physical event itself.
1: Well, the one, the one thing I like it, to, to defend summit over, cause there, there are issues for both in, 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 a, in a different way that we will get to, but with summit, at least to, to what you said, they've never done a magic fest before This is something totally different. The fact of what they've been able to accomplish is like kind of wild (laughs) for like Brandon Sanderson's convention company teams with magic creator content creator to come up with full convention event that is competing with magic 30. And, and it, I think like the big glaring punch in the eye it's accomplished is like what they are doing to succeed is the thing that feels like is missing to some extent from what magic 30 is doing and is also the lowest hanging fruit thing to some extent. Yeah. So like, like
0: so like, I, I don't want to like, cause I, I I've already had my brain leak out of my skull today talking about magic summit and my issues with the, the way that they're using content creators. Um, but like to, to shorten my point on that, uh, is that a big complaint that I have about magic summit is that it is a vast amount of content creators all largely commander-based creators for an event that's not commander-centric. Sure, sure. And so when you have 40 creators shilling your event, no offense to you, Kes, who all have very overlapping, cannibalized um, communities, there are going to be people whose affiliate links don't hit the benchmarks needed for their event to be comped.
1: Sure, sure.
0: And so when people are praising Magic Summit for, oh, look at their diversity in creators! Look at how many creators they're inviting. Uh, you know how come Wizards isn't doing that? Also, look at Mag- Magic Summit—they've invited so many creators. It's going to be so great because they're getting to go to this event. Well, well they're paying for their event, right? 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 Without and like they have to, yeah. and with like the hopes that they sell X amount of tickets to cover flights in a hotel. So like it's really disingenuous for me to like see some of the Twitter discourse prop up Magic Summit. On like the backbone of creators, when like they're essentially treating creators in the same way that that Magic Thirty is, except at least they already have a badge.
1: Yeah, well, I do not call mm-hmm. it the same because like one is one is exclusive, right? Or, like well, Magic Thirty is to a lot of creators being like, "Oh, we're not talking to you. Sorry, if you want to come, you have to pay for it." Where Summit is, we want you to come. We'll let you come for free. If you want to pay your way here. Great, or if you want to earn it through this thing, also great. It,
0: it, but it goes it, to the it goes to the same problem no, that sorry. I have.
1: Do you do you know what happened with the Dream Hack event as well? Where yes. You, where, so where?
0: so so my thing with the DreamHack event is one. Um, DreamHack historically doesn't really do a whole lot with influencers to begin sure. with. Um, this is just like experience I have as like someone who's like worked in esports. Um, so like influencers getting badges and like f- and some of them getting food stipends is like. First of all, people getting food vouchers as like creators at an event is like not common. Sure, sure, sure. Right, like if you like you and I have both probably had like creator badges at PAX. You fend for yourself. You right. got your badge. Congrats. the The difference I have with like any other event and something like Magic Summit is Magic Summit is holistically selling itself on the backbone of look at all these creators there, as marketing promotion mm-hmm. and not treating them the same way that other cons that would be using creators as aggressively for marketing uh and giving them way less sure and, and right? I, like that's kind of like point this where... is a huge complaint that i have for both events right. is that like both of your community both of your events uh are going to be sold on who's going to be there and the fact that like they're going to be creators that are like going to 30 whether they are sponsored featured comped whatever that is going to drive people to want to go to that event on top of the fact that it's magic 30 of celebration. Well,
1: I guess I guess the point with magic 30 is is more that it's not being sold on creators going really. It's not
0: really. being well so that's the thing that I uh, that I'm trying to say is that like both events are to an extent being sold on whether intentionally or unintentionally on the back of creators who are not being properly compensated.
1: Well, I guess I guess my thought. Well, sure, yes. I, I guess Magic Thirty is specifically choosing not to promote anyone that's. Yeah, going, but, not, it, we, but
0: realistically, like, that is how it's being promoted, right? You were well, def- yeah, there's, <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely non creators like who aren't us, right? Uh, who are going? Oh wow, I saw a Tappy tweet that she bought her ticket, and I saw Kess bought his ticket, and I saw a Prof said that he's thinking about going. I might get to play commander with those guys. I'm going to buy my magic 30 ticket. Sure. Right? Is, Even if magic 30, is it saying cast Tappy and prof are going cast Tappy and prof going is a deciding factor for people.
1: Sure. 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 And, and I, I guess like the thought I had, cause cause the thing that we're living with is that this event sold out within six hours, etc.
0: Oh, it's probably going to be bots. I have a high, I have a high chance that wizards is going to look at those ticket purchases realize that there is like a 45% bot and do what a lot of cons do of, of you know, resending those purchases. Uh, sure. Comic-Con right. decided to do that a lot lately because it's like hard to properly combat bots. So yeah. you just kind of accept that there's going to be a percent, usually around like 30-ish, uh, that is bought by bots. They take the time to figure out which of those tickets are bot tickets, and then they just return them back to the pool. And they just have to keep doing that Until there are essentially no bot tickets, or very very few that it doesn't that it's no different than scalpers,
1: which which is we'll learn soon if they if there are. I I
0: mean, I'm I'm guessing, but I'm hoping that like even though this looks like a very slapdash event, that they have like the understanding that thirty five to like forty percent of your tickets were probably bought, especially the Black Lotus package.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Um, There's no
0: way that that sold out in like an hour just by whales.
1: Well, it depends. Part of that is also how limited it is, right? Is it, is it? Yeah. I'm just just
0: skeptical as someone who lives on the internet that like anything that sells out that quickly is not, like highly percentile towards bots
1: because the thing that like looked very bot purchase is the is the one that the the like pack from home set where like you get a mystery yeah so the value on that was like higher than actually what you were paying because a mystery booster box itself is worth like three hundred dollars so yep. like
0: that's why i have an open mind
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so that definitely there's definitely vibes of that i'm like that seems like people scalpers figuring out how to get what's on there but okay so yeah so, but that's not
0: really about cons
1: well, the, the, the more to the point of the DreamHack is how DreamHack entered the magic community. Though was here's a tweet: everyone lists their favorite content creator. We're going to give all of them a blanket invite, the same invite, regardless of how Size. they previously been compensated to go to these events. And and I mean, kind of the the holistic point that we're trying. I guess we we were me and Ben were trying to make over the podcast is like some of this is stemming from just a lack of centralization because there are events that have the brain power like what happened at the CFB version of a command, like the different command fests, Some of them were very well run that compensated the creators they were using to advertise their event. Well, some of them didn't do that. Well, some of them didn't do it at all thinking that like, Oh, we'll just say we're doing a command vest and whoever lives in Seattle is going to show up. <laughs> and yeah.
0: So I think that the, the way that the dream hack one, and I, I don't know exactly, even though I know that side of dream hack to some extent is that, when you look at magic, it's very difficult to like tell who's like a real, like I, I shouldn't say say the word, real. There are a lot of people who have very large followings in magic that have those followings not because they're magic creators, and so it's sometimes very difficult to sure. find magic creators the same way that you find like a Fortnite creator. So like that, like there's not a lot of. Like, a lot of magic creators aren't part of, like, ad agencies or influencer groups. Um, there is no... What is a magic creator to you and me might not be considered a magic creator to somebody else, right? Like, uh, we obviously are commander players and you play modern. So, like, you know some of the modern creators on, like, YouTube and Twitch, I assume. I don't. Um, I know a lot of legacy creators. But, like, commander players, there's, like, a very low chance that they know who, like, Boston Roll is. Sure. Right? But like people who know who Bosch and Roll are might not know who, like, I don't know, mental misplay. Yeah. And so I can see the problem for DreamHack being, well, there's a lot of things that make someone a magic creator versus any other game that we've ever hosted. Mm -hmm. Let's just take a large batch, see what happens when they come to our event, and then like, you know, fine-tune the process going forward.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Because it is a huge cost to them to give, like... I don't know what the exact number was, but, like, give 50 people badges. That's, like, 50 less people that can, like, be in the venue.
1: Sure, 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 sure.
0: That they could have just, like, sold. I mean, that's why, like, not every single person who applies for a creator badge, even if they are the same size, don't get them.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Because you're, like, limiting the number of people who can physically attend. This is why, like, for example, PAX kicked uh, Riot out of Pax West because traditionally Riot would do their spring their summer finals at Pax West and there were less people who were going to Pax West for Pax West they were going to watch the LCS finals.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, your your event is now too big and the proportion of people attending it that would need to have badges for our entire convention are removing people that want those badges to be able Yeah, to- so even though
0: it's it's not the same thing to say like, "Oh, Magic players are taking Magic creators are taking badges away from Dreamhack" participants but it is still like the the objective choice to like have like 50 magic creators have badges is still 50 less people who are going to do all of dreamhack
1: well it but that that also like proportionality to the size of an event yeah I, and, and obviously you're there's we're just saying numbers it's not like, like yeah, yeah, yeah i'm
0: just i'm not talking about more. actual scale i just yeah, want yeah, people yeah. to understand that like when a company makes a decision to give a set number of free badges uh that like that is a decision that, like, has to be, like, oh, well, like, we're going to do this. What because is the cost and an
1: ROI on this decision? Because there was
0: also, you know, streamers, and there was regular streamers, there were CSGO streamers, like, there were a bunch of different creator types that were given badges, not very stri- strenuously. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of betting and stuff. Sure, was, it was sure. the same thing for, like, streamers. Um, and it was because they wanted to have a very diverse group of people at DreamHack. Um yeah. But that's not really the point. <laughs> I just like I have the perspective of somebody who like was at DreamHack and like knew people from different communities at DreamHack and knew mm-hmm. that DreamHack did the same. They wanted to test out the, oh, do we do this more as like an influencer type of thing the way other cons are? Because sure. trad- traditionally DreamHack is a festival. Around competitive esports,
1: I, I, I guess I was using more DreamHack as an example of another moment that happened this year in an event. Trying to figure out how do you invite magic influencers to your event or magic content? Creators. Yeah, 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 I, I see. You I, I kind of had, it. had its own version of stumbling blocks. Like none of these have. Yeah. Worked. <laughs> is more yeah. more.
0: Yeah. I guess like one of the thoughts that I have um, is that, and I, knowing what I know about how much has gone into getting magic 30 put together i think it is very clear that like magic wants an event that feels like gen con uh where like oh here's all these different packages and they allow you to do different things without realizing that like you're not gen con and like your player base isn't as your player base isn't going to be as excited for everything in different packages. And instead of doing these like weird, like scaling in price Kickstarter S packages, they should have just done a magic fest.
1: So like we've been on the, on the cast pretty big proponents for a while of magic fests, having a entry fee, whatever it is. And in this, it's a basically $160 for is a good thing. Right, like yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I definitely agree uh, that like 160 to go to a magic fest for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then potentially having to pay for certain things, extra things inside yeah and, and, is, and even like, fair and really looks and like
1: draft entry or what wizards did which is like here's a bunch of packs that we just have left in is is fine i think that all like works for me because 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 one of the problems that the old magic fest system had famously like you know at one point artists were on strike because there was no money being made like the 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 magic fests that were, were being budgeted were basically break even and and then add the layer of safety oh yeah that was needs. also
0: true in like the gp system was right. that like because the GPS were so scaled towards competitive play, yeah, you would get some people who would come in to do free play or do the side events, but like artists were never the selling point, and so you would have artists at tables all day, selling like a handful of prints and then getting tipped for signatures.
1: Right, and because 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 I would say that like I think a magic esque Gen Con experience where you pay one hundred sixty dollars for your weekend badge and all of the things that used to be at a magic fest are there Add on or, or everything that was at like magic fest, Seattle or magic fest, Vegas are there where there's panels, there's meet and greets, there's a command zone area the, and there's a, a one or two major tournaments, maybe a PTQ every week that you, every day of the, the, the con that you can yeah. enter. And that is a slam duck event and, and is super feasible that like, I don't. and And like, cause an argument, you know, a problem I've had with the command fest model is the lack of, any other community but Commander, right? Like there isn't cool drafts there. There isn't a modern PTQ or any. Yeah,
0: and I definitely have agreed with that argument. I know that some people are like, "But it's called Command Fest," and it's like, "Yeah." But when you went to like GP Richmond Legacy, you still got to play a standard event. You still got to play a modern event. You still got to draft enter Commander side events. So like, why can't a why can't a Command Fest just like be running BaldurGate drafts
1: and just, and I just would...
0: like cause?
1: And I was on the front line like the, that that argument like hurts my brain because I I was literally in Grand Prix LA on the floor fighting on, for Command Fest to exist at Magic Fest and for there to be open environments forever. Like,
0: I Yeah, I, yeah. you're, I you're don't definitely think... preaching to the choir here that like right. the idea that like Magic 30 should have just been the best parts of a Command Fest and GP Vegas is made into one thing. That's like what this should have been. Instead, this feels very much like like the way San Diego Comic-Con and like New York Comic-Con are done, where you're paying for certain amounts of access, but like your additional access is just more magic, right? Yeah. When you pay for like certain amounts of access at San Diego Comic-Con, you're like guaranteed a seat in Hall H, which is like fire. Yeah. You're like guaranteed to like go to this after party and like do this thing and do that thing and do that thing. And guess what? You bought that badge because you want the whole San Diego Comic-Con experience because it's San Diego Comic-Con. That's going to be anime, comic books, uh, well, TV like- shows, right? There's Magic is one thing. Scaling up packages to experience additional magic if all it is is just more packs, more stuff, isn't as exciting.
1: And once again, did sell out and, and bots were, were probably a part of it, but that that does happen. So, so like from Wizards perspective, they slam dunked it to some extent, hopefully, or not hopefully, hopefully there is bots <laughs> that have made them be like, Ooh, maybe we should have done this better, but uh, there's no way for them not to have sold out the way they did. And, and that's what their plan was. But the, the point being, and this is like the question a lot of people have, which is like, why is this worth this much money? Like, like right now, if you had told me, that command fest was happening, but like all the command zone crew was going to be there. Plus XYZ cosplayers, plus these third, you know, all of the CAG and the RC or the six pro players, you know, six hall of famers are going to be there. Plus XYZ. Then that $350 price take makes sense right now. I'm like, I could go to Coachella for that for $50 more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like in my brain, I looked at that and I was like, that's what, like, the premier pass of, like, a well-established con is. And I'm right. getting a lot out of that experience. I'm getting to go to a VIP section that's going to have a ton of celebrities in it. I'm going to get to – I'm probably going to get first of the line of every meet and greet. Like, when you pay for $350 for most conventions, first of all, a lot of conventions don't even have that anymore because they'd rather just have a bunch of people go. Yeah. Um. But like if I pay $350 at like literally any con and I'll like probably do research for this for my article, you were getting so much out of that that isn't just stuff. You were getting a ridiculous experience out of the weekend. You essentially bought like a fast pass for Disney.
1: Right, right, right. Um, like
0: any experience in memory you want to make is achievable because you dropped so much money. And, and, and I'm gonna be honest, when I look at the three fifty for Magic 30, I'm like, what did I spend three fifty on? Besides stuff,
1: and and there's stuff like if they're like, hey, we had a creator pass. There's going to be three hundred, you know, two hundred creators that were were allowed to enter this thing. That they'll announce on their own time who's going. But instead of on Monday when this was announced, every person on my feed being like, wait, what the hell is going on? I don't even who's going to this. It would have been me and you know and you and other people being like, oh yeah. Also, what I hate is
0: that they announced Magic Thirty. We knew about this for like a month and a half. Yeah. Like, two months is when they, like, said, hey, we're definitely doing Magic 30, it's definitely going to be this weekend, it's definitely going to be in Vegas, tickets and all other details are going to come. What we got for waiting for a month and a half, two months, is, like, baffling. Like, the amount of information we got could have been announced. (laughs) Well, so when I, they announced Magic 30,
1: I feel like what we were waiting for or what was taking so long was them counting how many packs they had to give away in these packages and making sure that they had them.
0: But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> if you look at like how bare bones, all of there's going to be panel one sentence description panel, one sentence description six. Well, and and then, like, like, like the I'll, fact that like the VML wasn't announced with it, that they're running like a safe space uh, gaming area. That's not in the official page. I only know about that because I follow the co-chairs of VML on Twitter that they announced it after Magic 30 was announced. Like, why isn't that on the website?
1: And and some of this is like, and they have admitted it themselves, it, not publicly, at least behind some amount of uh uh like individuals. Like, this is a rushed event, right? This was an event that they didn't plan on doing four months ago, that they're now doing two two months ago, and they're trying to figure out what it looks like. And they, I believe, are using an outside firm to do a lot of it which adds its own layer of like that firm learning on the fly what this community is interested in and the one thing that this does feel like and it is happening at the same time of which happened last night is like the what not oh god that was a event that happened last night right it has a little bit of the vibe of like i feel
0: like what not went to post and was like hey we have a lot of money and we want to do an event that's cool And Post was like, yeah, that sounds dope, man, because Post seems to be like a very, like, chill, laid-back dude. And then from everything I've seen from everyone's social media posts for people that were there, it's like something Post could have done without being sponsored by whatnot, like, on Twitch. Like, it's the same amount of, like, put-togetherness and planning. One of my friends shared a picture, because I had, like, stopped watching at one point, that, like, it's a camera angle, and you can see a garbage can in front of the table. And it's like
1: and and like I don't because we can talk about whatnot for another forever and I and we don't have uh, infinite time. So I just but but more the yeah. point is is like we got actual post Malone celebrity level kind of high profile people and that's it in a small event that we're streaming is like it has more of a vibe of that where you're spending it more on the almost the whale side of the coin of who's going to be attending this event than an at large community, which has its own issues, but I think and, and for ever beyond this, and this is the problem with command fest that people have complained about, right, is like, yes, if command fest were happening at the same time that we were getting magic fest back or or the old GP model where there were mm-hmm. you know other weekend tournament series that were happening. I think people would complain a lot, le- a lot less about like magic Fe- command fest, not including other formats, but they were the only conventions that were happening. And now the next only convention that's happening is this version, which is like, does feel like they were like, Hey, commander is only here as an, ad- like as an adjacency. Like this is more of a limited event in some ways that we're going to bring out really cool limited events that are happening. But at the so same time we're going to talk
0: about the grant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. That's what I wanted to jump to next. Cause I, I we have about cool. 10. Minutes. So let's, let's sure. talk. So,
0: <laughs> um, this made my brain hurt on Twitter because a lot of people didn't understand why it's problematic. So let me just like explain this to you folks. Uh, so the new perspective grant, uh, in theory, is very cool. They are saying we know that there are marginalized people who otherwise have not been able to come to Magic events in the past, and we want to create a way for them to be able to come to the event. Baller, right? Like, sick and Magic acknowledging. Diversity and inclusion is like their worst stat and they're going to fix it. And then you start to read more. There's only 10 slots and you're like, ah, that seems like a very small number. And I've had talks with people at wizards and this was kind of the test the waters that they do it. If they do another big event like this again, it'll def and probably when they start bringing back magic fest, the number will be not 10. It'll definitely be larger. But even for a test phase, 10 is a shockingly small number. Uh, considering the amount of scholarships that are given out by by Gen Con, that are given out by um not uh GDC, GD, yeah, GDC, like it is a shockingly small number. And then it's also a general, like, essentially a general scholarship. Like, I understand that it's for marginalized people, but they define marginalized people as literally anyone who's not, like, a cis white man. So, like, you're not doing a black and brown and there's ten people. You're not doing a queer and that's another ten people, and then I hate to say it this way, but like, miscellaneous other uh, marginalized people and that's ten people. It is anything that is not a cis white, straight male can apply for this. That's a lot of people.
1: Well, most most of the world.
0: (laughs) Most of the world is going to, like, I don't know if you saw, there are so many, like, large creators who said they're applying for this, which I'm not going to get into my thoughts about that, um, who are applying to this, um, who, to an extent, have the ability to go to literally any other magic event ever where this is, hey, there are people who could never have gone, who have never been able to go to a magic event and could never even imagine going to this event. This is what that grants for. So I'm going to leave that thought on large creators applying for it. But like, if you've looked at the application, which I have pulled up on my screen, it asks for your preferred name, which obviously makes a lot of sense because there might be trans people or non-binary folks or just people who don't align with their legal name. Pronouns, dope, fine. Legal, first and last name, obvious, email. And then do you or have ever, identified... I hate the fact this says have ever. Uh, identified with a demographic that's underrepresented in Magic the Gathering community. We encourage applicants, applications from those marginalized on the basis of race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, disability, and or veteran or military enrollment status. Well, that's a really broad paintbrush. It's only open up to people who live in the U.S. or a U.S. territory. That's, uh... Interesting. Do you agree to do your own travel arrangements? Yeah, that part makes sense because like you're getting a two dollars drop like stipend to like spend as you choose. Um and are you 18 or years of older? Sure, fine. Makes sense. Here's the like really fucked up part. And I don't think like a lot of people didn't grasp this. Please provide links to and or descriptions of your involvement in the magic community. This may include social media links, streams, podcasts, links to virtual or live events. How tos, reviews, articles, deck building tips, work at a local game shop, game development, and/or other com- contributions. And if you go and look at the Magic Thirty thing, it says to like be creative and unique. That is not something you do if you're trying to get truly marginalized and disenfranchised people to be able to like do to like get a grant. Because guess what? If you were truly disenfranchised and marginalized out of a community that you still want to take part in you're probably not doing a whole lot that's like a direct contribution to the community, right? Like if you're a queer trans woman living in the South and you don't feel like any of your local game stores are safe, you've seen the magic discourse on Reddit, you don't know that like there are parts of magic Twitter that are supportive, you have never contributed. You probably have never thought to do anything to contribute to the greater magic, the gathering community. That person who saw the new perspective grants and got really excited about applying is going to see that part and be like, oh. So they want like marginalized influencers. Well, it, Which it, is it, completely it, it, different from what the section in the Magic 30 page says.
1: You, you, they like kind of combined two different, they like kind of put it all in one bucket and it was like, no, no, no. You need to separate you need to have this you just it you need to separate
0: it you needed to make it more than 10 like it is objectively a good thing yeah like i'm not i'm not like even though i have a myriad of complaints about it it is objectively a good first step there it is still extremely problematic that you are having a a wide swath of marginalized people compete for 10 slots and there are potentially going to be people because we know nothing about the decision tree for the committee that are not going to get to go because someone like myself or like another marginalized creator who has like contributed to the community gets a slot. Right. And like, to be objective, like I work for a nonprofit, I'm, I'm broke as shit. Like I I can only afford or ever have an opportunity to go to cons when like I'm paid to go. So like I do fit in that category of like, there is no other universe where I go to a magic fest that is not in my area. Without financial assistance. but I also feel a little shitty that I'm not applying for a creator pass and instead I get to take my my ten years of exp- of uh, contributions to the magic community against you know another marginalized person who just started writing how-to articles right like like my my video about why I should be picked is going to have you know Sheldon Menery saying something about like the contribution I have to the Magic community. That is not a fair matchup. Absolutely. Like in any any universe. And like, not to call them out, but I love Chase, Mana Curves is amazing. They do a lot for the community outside of just their amazing Commander content. Chase is considering applying. Chase, like, Joe Random, marginalized person in the community is potentially not going to have an application as good as Chase's.
1: Right well and that's and that's kind of the first point right like there should be a creator application that has nothing to do with your background and and they should consider this when they're doing it and the fact that they don't know who they should be inviting already is an entire different issue on its own and then there should be a grant for marginalized communities to be able to get in that is much more widespread and not based on like how good of a content creator are you for us then we'll let you in and that Yeah like I don't different understand different
0: endeavors what- like I'm going to be, and so to, to, to cut this short so that uh, you can close the segment, what that last question should have been is what is the magic, what has magic done for you? Or what is the impact magic has had on you in the last 30 years? Mm-hmm. So obviously there aren't everybody, everybody hasn't been playing magic for 30 years, but what has the 30 year history of magic impacted your life? Right. And I think that is a great way for a marginalized person to really convey just how meaningful magic and the gathering, as you know, we've been saying a lot over the COVID times about how important the gathering part is. I think that that should have been the deciding factor. Somebody saying, you know, magic, you know, taught me English or magic gave me people to hang out with when I didn't, when I was the other, you know, in my school, magic gave me friends no matter where I went because I was a, I was a military kid and I went from base to base, but I could always find people play magic. Those stories should be what It's about right. And yes, like you're still competing, but then it's like a normal thing, right? You're you're competing on who wrote like the better, you know, SAT essay and not who's the better creator, who's who's made a better, better contribution to magic. Because I know some people who saw that section and were immediately turned off from applying
1: well, and, and and there's an argument of, like, the more competitive you become in that area, the more likely Wizard should have just invited you in the first place. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, like I, like, I understand that there's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, like, would you have wanted them to do nothing? Obviously not. And I think that, like, that's just, like, a reductive statement to make to creators like myself um, and Michelle who, like, spoke out about the scholarship. That's not what we're saying. We're saying is that, like, this was not the best first attempt. And i I wish it was iterated out. I wish somebody looked at that last question and said, "Hey, this sounds more like a creator question right Not a get marginalized people into the door question
1: and um, and and I think that's like a, a a good point to kind of take with everything we're saying is that they, these aren't like these are constructive criticisms, right and 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 it, it is like, you bring these up so that Wizards does it better the next time or fixes it now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, like, and, and, So I've been told that there's no way that there's going to be more grants. Uh, I have been pushing very heavily to everyone I've spoken to at Watsi and they're taking into consideration of like trying to do something like a BIPOC lounge like Gen Con had. Yeah. Of like a designated math, area yeah. where like marginalized people. So heard, no, the VML is like a safe play area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily like I, I want something that's a little bit removed from play okay. that allows okay. marginalized people to organically sit down and commu- and communicate and grow and share experiences. Because for some people that are going to be going to Magic 30, this is going to be their first time going to a Magic event and meeting other Magic players that aren't their local players. And there's a chance, just like I had When I went to my first PTQ and met the first four other Black people I ever knew playing Magic, there's going to be people who are going to go to that and meet the first other Indian person they've ever met playing Magic or the first other trans person. And I think there's a lot of value in gaming conventions having lounge spaces or not designated play spaces that takes away from people that want to play games to just sit down and talk and have that safe experience.
1: The one, like, I guess, silver lining in all of this is I, like, do know that Wizards is noticing where these failures have been amongst, amongst this whole process, and they're excusing it with, this is a last-minute event, this is the first time we've ever done something like this, and we are learning what we're supposed to be doing here, and we will be better for the future events. It just you know they also are doing it and so there's a little bit of egg on Yeah. It and, th- and and it's good to learn the lessons hope and we hope yeah. they they do learn those lessons
0: my my 100% final thought is that people need to understand that like when someone is critiquing something it's not that we're saying that it's necessarily bad it's we re- we're passionate and we want to see it be better right and if we don't say where it can be better then like how how does wizards how does, you know, kingdoms, how does the group putting on Marnark like know what to do better? Right. If no one says, hey, this is a seven, it can easily be a ten with just like these small tweaks. It how do they make that leap to a ten? And, and so like when you see people make critiques, take take that internal knowledge with you to not just dismiss what people are saying as, oh hey, well you're just punching down because it's their first event. No, we obviously know it's our like we're not dumb. We know this is the first event.
1: Also, like first event is you know they they did manage the Grand Prix circuit and Magic Fest and Command Fest. <laughs> no, and, no, 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 Cass, you understand? Fine. We're
0: being bullies. It's Magic's first event. We're being bullies.
1: <laughs> um, I and, and like one of the reasons I was really excited to have have you on is that you know uh, I'm fine <laughs> and Ben is fine, right? Like I there is. I can afford to go to this event. I'm going to this event. To your point, pe- that blizzards is now benefiting to some extent because I'm going to be able to go to this event uh, and afford it. And that's, and that's, and I'm very, very, very lucky to be able to do that. But the fact that like Shivam who there is a panel that he should be on happening at this event and is in halfway being advertised to be on this event was not invited. Can't go. Cause it's not comped, etc. or chase who also does a lot for the community, isn't going and the the few people that are getting you know having to go through this very weird application process that doesn't seem to be accomplishing what's supposed to that's why we're having this episode exist. You know, it, yeah. it was just me complaining I didn't get to go. I want I, I can maybe make a five-second TikTok about that. And, and I'm going. So, uh, you know, it's a little weird because I don't know who I'm going to hang out with. I know, like, one or two of my friends are going to be there. And right now... I will
0: hopefully uh, get my grant and we can play Commander in person. That unlike that, is- that time we went and got Ramen instead.
1: I honestly... I mean, I don't we're <laughs> Ramen instead. But, you know, like... <laughs> There are people, the people that I know that I'm going to see, some of them, I- the tickets going to this are more expensive than if I had just flown to <laughs> their town. Oh, the-
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I liked EK's shitpost of like. <laughs> Of like the, what was it? Like the 15 person Airbnb. Yeah, right. I I, I (laughs) I
1: technically think that my hotel plus entry to this event could pay for an Airbnb for a weekend in LA. And anyone in this discord, if you want to hang out.
0: Don't, don't get me started. I've already been talking to Joe Johnson about how we do, how we could do our own mini much better. Magic
1: Fest (laughs) LA.
0: Like Magic Fest, like minorities and it still it still would be better and we could definitely get enough sponsors for more than 10 people to go <laughs>
1: yes yes <laughs> so um but well, thanks for uh, having once, me once again thank you so much for joining uh, and, and and jumping on uh where where can people find you on the internet uh in general
0: uh, uh you can find me writing week uh articles every two weeks over at commanders herald uh, that's CommandersHerald.com. no apostrophe obviously because it's a url uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Amanda, T as in taxi, N as in net Stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S. Uh, and that is the only place you'll find me ever talking about magic. Uh, and after today, I've decided I probably won't talk about magic on the Internet anymore because it can be a headache. Uh, but, yeah. Gang R- right
1: about magic. You can always come on here to talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> awesome. And and now we'll go back to the previously recorded podcast. I'm going to magically change a shirt. Um all right. All right. So, so continuing, continuing the conversation at hand, Ben. Um
2: Are you excited for the magic magic 30 event? Very much so. I'm super sad that it's costing me as much as it is because I like just I'm going to get to the end of this summer and this tour and all of the travel and like I've spent money on a lot of things and that's like this just was one of those things this morning when I was buying it where I was like, man is just like a lot of money. I'm just like sinking into another thing that I want to do, but I'm really excited to do it. And I had so much fun at Gen Con. Like, it was so fun to be around all of our friends and magic people. I love it so much. It's like my favorite thing. So I think magic third is going to be amazing. Um, You know, when we were at Gen Con, we did one of our famous uh, chaos drafts. But got a big group of us together. It was really, really, really fun. Um, Gavin joined us for that one. He was he was there at Gen Con. And I uh, always loves to do those. And so I we were talking when we were at Gen Con about plans for 30. And he was like, we, we got to do another one of these. We got to do a, a big one of these. And so I've got all the packs here, which I'm excited for. And I'm really excited for this this modern event. I have to, obviously have to like get a deck together and figure out what the hell I'm going to play. So I even have a chance because it is my dream. It is my dream to get the beta draft. It's the big... It's the big win. I believe. I believe in you. I believe in you. Maybe, maybe blue red merktide seems like it seems like a deck that I would just play well probably. I there's a
1: sick. Uh, I was on Nikachu's morning stream this morning, which everyone should check that out. Uh, it was cool. We went over like underplayed Modern Horizons cards, like Modern Horizons cards that can come out of nowhere and do something. And uh, there's a a deck. It's a uh, it's based off of the red two flashback for five. Uh, reveal cards from the top of your library. Do when it, Whatever you reveal, do that much damage to a player. It's a card from Modern Horizons, but the deck is playing like Deserts and Autocron Worms and Emercols and Ramamot Ruins, and that's it. And this card, and then the Cascade Retrace card. So it hits it every time, and it's just like, I'm going to cast this card, I'm going to dome you for 15, and then I'm going to kill you with lands that do damage to some extent and it's like it, it apparently it's doing some work so you can play that deck
2: that's sweet Now i was looking i was looking today at like some of the decks i mean i i pay attention every week to what's still a lot of the same decks are still good yeah you, you know yorian money pile is still really good you still obviously have murktide definitely hammer is still a deck burn is being played um so you know a lot of the decks that we know already are good um but that's why I was thinking Merc Tide is like the most popular. It's just the deck that I, I think I know that style pretty well. So I would probably be able to play it pretty well. And then the other option is just play burn. <laughs> the other option is just like I was like, just just play burn because I've never played burn before at an event. But it's like games are over quickly and, you know, but whatever it is, I will uh, get in some get in some work on that. I'm definitely excited about it unless I last minute decide that I have a brew that's going to win me the whole thing, which is uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do not play a brewben. pick a real deck it, it could be a fun deck it doesn't have to be the top 3 things but it would it should be a deck you know you know you could you have a chance of winning with this is an expensive event uh,
2: yeah so it's it's a fair point all right, um, all right I, I'm, I'm much my, I mean
1: i'm i'm, I'm i'll be there for sure and i'll be in the command zone and i'll be hanging out and i'm going to have a blast so i'm i'm definitely excited for it i just like i wish more people were excited for it and like we're lucky that we can afford it and it, it's messed up that like there are people that I know that really deserve to go from a whole slew of different backgrounds that just like won't be able to make it. Um, and that's I think kind of the and, and there was no like this was an easy there's an easy solution to this that just like there's no you know no no fixing it. So um, but as always. Thank you to channel fireball both for being a great to for many many years you know be a champion of the eras that we we were working on fondly uh as well as being the host of this podcast thank you to all for sponsoring the podcast as well thank you to all of our patrons uh we big big salute to all of you and uh thank you ben for coming back onto the podcast you
2: know i'm excited to be here and i will uh, be resuming my last few tour dates i did get to see a lot of you guys in orlando a bunch of you guys i saw in seattle and the last few dates on the tour are coming up. One of them will have already happened by the time you guys hear this. There's San Francisco this weekend. And then I've got Chicago, New York, and the LA show, which is the last of all. So if you haven't checked it out, go to Tour.com. It's been really, really, really fun. And uh, I would love to meet any of you guys that can make it to Chicago, New York, or LA. Absolutely. Right. thanks everyone. We'll talk to you all next week. I guess.
0: This has been a production of
1: The your car.